that I shall give him shall be in him as a well of water springing up unto everlasting. Praise his name. I trust every one of us this evening has drunk. We are drinking from that fountain that shall have us never, never, never thirst again. Amen. Why don't you take your seats? Praise the name of the Lord. We want to be able to open our hearts before the Lord. We want to stand like that gentleman there on the mountainside and overlooking the greatness of God and what God has for us. But in order to see what God has for us, we need to express love. We need to open ourselves and allow God to fill up our lives. One of the saddest scenes of Scripture in Revelation is when Jesus is standing on the outside of his church and he is knocking, he's desiring to get into his church. And so we don't want to be that people or that individual because God has called us to be individuals. He's not called us to be a group or a gathering of people. He's calling us uh, individually like he did this woman from the well. He singled her out. He sent the disciples away, and he waited there by the well in order to speak directly to this woman that we call the woman at the well. And she approaches the Lord Jesus, and he speaks to her, and he says, Would you give me a drink of water? And her response was very natural because at that point, she didn't see any glowing lights. She didn't see any fireworks. She didn't. There sat a very natural man. But as Jesus began to speak to her, I wonder if you can say that yourself. As the word begins to speak to you, something begins to change with inside your being. You can't explain it. You, you, you don't know how to reason it, but something begins. And Jesus begins to say, if you would know who I am, if thou will know the gift of God and who it is that speaketh to you, your life, you would accept it in your life will change. Now, this well, this water that Jesus is speaking of, it's this one that quenches the thirst. Now, Brother Branham says in the unfailing realities of the living God, he says here, now, the word there is really not everlasting. You will see a little mark on it if it, it, it's in. He says, you've got a King James Bible. In the original says, to eternal life. Everlasting is just a little while. He says, eternal is forever. So what we desire is this water of life that will never, never, that we will never thirst again, and that will be what is eternal. Amen. It's not just momentary blessing. It's just not a momentary meeting, but it's life eternal. As we listen to the Word of God being preached to us regularly, and as we hear the Word of God in special meetings coming to us, it's not just words of men that are spoken to us, but it's living water. 
Living water is not stagnated of a pool. It's, it doesn't have critters in it. It's not a broken cistern. It is a place where fresh water keeps moving and keeps traveling and keeps feeding and keeps strengthening the believer into everlasting and everlasting, which the prophet of God tells us and points out from Scripture. It is eternal and it is forever. Hallelujah. Now we're in this life. And you know it's said. It's a comment that was is said. It says, you know, by the streets of the by and by, one arrives at the house forever. And in this comment, it's kind of a strange comment. But I want us to see in the comment that we walk the streets, the ordinary streets, the by and by continually in our lives. How many is like me that lives a very ordinary life? We, we got up in the morning. Some of us like to eat breakfast. Some of us like to fast. You know, as intermittent fast. Some of us like to wait for lunch to come. And, but it's very ordinary. We go to work. We, our brothers, they pack their lunch kits, put their hats on. Out the side, the doors they go. The sisters have their activities that they do. Washing, cleaning, doing the things to create a household. It's the norm. It's just the buys and the buys. And we go on in these life as we're going. But Jesus said in the Beatitudes, He says, Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. In our very ordinary lives, there is something that is hungering within us, not just for natural things, but it's hungering for spiritual things. Well, you know, some of us came very sick this last week into the house of God. We were encouraged to come and we heard the pastor's voice to come. But it wasn't the pastor's voice that said come to church, even in our feeling of sickness. We came because something was drawing at us. Maybe you sat on the internet and you were listening from your chair because of the sickness. But something spoke to your heart. If I could just get into the house of God. If I could just sit and under the spout, so to say, where the glory of God is pouring amongst God's people. Then I can be healed naturally and I can be changed spiritually. So the bride of Jesus Christ, who you are tonight, is hungering and you're thirsting for righteousness. For we desire, as Jesus says, to be filled. Now in the midst of this ordinary life, there are these people, and I believe it's you and I, the people of God, who are taken from this ordinary life and injected and are drinking from the fountain of life that lasts forever, the eternal life. And it's that word, as the scripture says, we shall never uh, thirst again. Our old thirsts, now think of it for a moment, your old Turks thirsts have been quenched. Brother Branham preaches a whole message on, on thirst. And every man has a thirst and a desire. And, and, and where are you putting your thirst? Where are you putting your desires? Where are you putting your thoughts? And, and he speaks about how there's men always desire God. They're thirsting after God. And some make gods out of wood. And some make gods of a stone. And some have got gods of, 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 of superstars. Why? Because they're thirsting for something, for someone. 
something that will quench that thirst, something that will give them strength for eternity. You know, these old thirsts, now think of it for a moment, the old thirsts of your life, they're quenched. We have no more pull or desire for them. I'm talking to a believer tonight. You have no desire or thirst for the old things. You don't long or desire for the by and by, the things that are out there so that's so easily beset. But those old drawings are replaced. They're, they're taken away. Those old thirsts are taken away. And now you have something new. And that something new is called zeal for Christ. If Jesus said you will never thirst again, that means that your thirst has been quenched. But there is something put in its place, and that is zeal. Now, it's not wrong to say I thirst for God, but I want you to know when you say I thirst for God as a believer, as one that's filled with God's life, really what you're saying is I have a great zeal, zeal for Christ. The worldly thirst have been replaced with a burning zeal to please God. And when we are drinking from the fountain, we are drinking from revelation to do the will of God. It is a desire that is not natural. You can't make this on your own. You can't get yourself to have a desire for God. This old nature, this old man does not desire God. This old nature desire, desires this lady of see a lifestyle that is upon us now. We like to be rich and we like to, to not need anything. We like to just self-satisfied. We, we like all the pleasures of the world. This flesh loves to have the pleasures of the world. So it's not natural with inside of us to have this great zeal. That God has placed inside of us. And I, I say tonight, if you have that desire, that desire to do the will of God, to have God reveal himself personally to you, friends, it's not by natural desire. It is revelation which, which the Spirit of God put in every heart of every believer. This should give you courage tonight. It, it, it's the Spirit of God that puts in every heart of the believer that's born again of God. He puts this desire for more, for the will of God, for the revelation of God. Unfold yourself to me, Lord. We ask that question, and you're all message readers. You read the Bible, and we say, what is revelation? It's Christ unveiling himself personally to you. It's not just unveiling some words from a church age book or from a seals book or looking into our future home and you have a mental conception of what it all means and all the doctrines put together. No, that's not what it is. It's Christ unveiling himself personally to you that causes you to never, can you say never, never thirst again. What does he do? He pulls back the covering and he shows you your perfect picture. <laughs> you are part of the word. 
The word is being unveiled before the people. And so when he pulls back that covering, it shows that you are perfect in him. It shows you that you're just trapped in this body. You're trapped in that body that you're living in. That was born into this world. And one day if the Lord shall tarry. You'll go by the grave. And dust shall go back to dust. And earth back to earth. If the Lord shall tarry. But I want you to know in your perfect picture. He shows you. You have something of God's nature. That's trapped in a physical body. You bypassed your theophany. And who is this Melchizedek? Brother Brandon says here, but you bypassed the theophany and became a flesh man to be tempted by sin. I want you to notice you're an overcomer. You're an overcomer tonight. You, but you are here to be tempted by sin. And then if this earthly tabernacle is dissolved, we have one already waiting. We have not yet the, bo the bodies. But look, he says, when this body receives the Spirit of God, the immortal life inside of you, it throws this body in subjection to the Word, to God. How am I going to live this Christian life? How am I going to live not just, just merely a, a, a moral life, but beyond just the morals of, the, of humanity? How, how am I going to be a living sacrifice unto God, which the Scripture says is my reasonable service? I want you to notice it's the Christ in you. It's that life, that fountain of life that you drank from that causes your body to be in subjection to God. I think that you could say with me tonight that the desire, the zeal of God is strong within inside your being. <coughs> is there more in the building that would say their desire, their zeal is strong within their being? And it's ruling you. It's pulling you. It's making decisions for you. Your everyday life decisions are being made by that which is causing you to be in subjection. <laughs> it rules your person. And with this zeal in your life, you can only see one thing. You can only care for one thing. You live for one thing. You are swallowed up by this one thing. And that one thing is to do the will of God. As a husband, as a father, as a brother in the church, as the minister of a God, the gospel, my only desire, my only thing that draws me is to do the will of God. Listen, fathers, we... 
We raise our children in the admonition of Jesus Christ. Mothers, you pray with your children. You teach them. You're, 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 you're giving pastorships to your children. Well, Father's not at home. Your only desire is to see your children filled with the Holy Ghost and moving forward. Her educations are secondary. We want our children to go to school, and we want our children to succeed. We want our children to be able to place in the sporting programs. But that is number two, our first and our strongest desire, the one thing we care for, the one thing that we live for, the thing that swallows us up in our lives is to do the will of God. In Dr. Moses, 1955, the only way that you, you'll ever know what the real meaning of power and healing and salvation really means is it, it, it is a spiritual revelation of the will and the word of God. You'll never learn it anywhere else. Only by revelation. I think, friends, that we need to drink a little bit more and have a little bit more zeal in our lives. Our, our cry should, Lord, unveil yourself a little more in my life. Help me recognize, Lord, what you're doing and what I need to do for you. My, my thoughts in all of this is revolving around the spiritual revelation for our lives. And, and Brother Branham says again in this message, the unfailing realities of God. He says we cannot bring God down to our level of thinking. We've got to rise ourselves to his level of thinking. You, you can't bring down God to you. You have to come to where God is. Friends, tonight we ought to get into our knees and begin to pray. There's only one way to, to come up to the level where God is, is humble ourselves and be in full subjection and ask God's provided way and come and pray and say, Lord, what is your will? I need to rise to your thinking, God. You need to meet him on the grounds that he has provided for us to meet him on. He is the king of glory. And he desires that we come and meet him where he resides. The Bible says we want to come into heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We want to come on the grounds that he has provided for us. Again, Brother Brown says in the same message. And we must learn that God is not known by intellectual Conception. It's just not waking up in the morning and grabbing out of the little folder a little card that has a scripture reading on it that will be enough for your life's journey. It's not just momentary moments of, Lord, will you bless this food and may I not get sick in the name of Jesus Christ. It's got to be a lot more than just reading scripture and memorizing scripture. Now every preacher will say to you, that is good and it is good. 
But it's not the only way that we go with. It's not just by reading the message books and memorizing quotations. I've seen a many infidel read the scriptures and memorize quotations and live and sit in the, even in the house of God and live in adultery or fornication or have some sort of homosexual thing going in their lives that is not forgiven. So it's not just by hearing an intellectual gospel. God is known by the new birth. Now please, as I minister to you, and as we minister for the furtherance of the year that we go forward, we are going to preach that it's need, you need to have Christ on the inside of you. I can't get away from it from every message Brother Brandon preaches. He always reinstills within our hearts, you need to have the new birth. You need to have the Holy Ghost. We can teach you things and we can show things from the message that will just stimulate you and get you real excited. But if you don't have the Holy Ghost, it means nothing to you. So God is known by the new birth. By the Holy Ghost, not by any other way. <coughs> Jesus, the Bible has plainly quoted us that no man can call Jesus the Christ only by the Holy Ghost. And if you've never received the Holy Ghost, you don't know that he is the Christ. Well, these are statements. This, these statements got me sit forward in my armchair. As I'm reading this message, it's a lovely message. It's a wonderful message. But the prophet of God makes it very, very clear to us, friends, that if we, you've never received the Holy Ghost, you don't even know who Christ is. No man can call Jesus as Christ only by the Holy Ghost. Friends, we've got to know that he is the only way, for that's the only way he reveals himself. You're not converted until you receive the Holy Ghost. Now, after a special meeting where we're shouting praising God, I, I'm sorry that I... I'm coming with these quotes. But, but I, I just want to show us that we've we got to be get real serious with ourselves because we believe the Lord is coming. And the mystery that is revealed in this hour is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Is this not Christ in a church or uh, an understanding what Christ has done over the ages or Hearing that the cloud has come and Brother Branham was right there and, and was received up in that cloud. And there was another one and Brother Branham recognized who that was. And we have this intellectual understanding that's beautiful. But that's not going to get you in a rapture unless Christ is revealed and unveiled into your life. That you see him on an everyday basis walking to Winco. That you're in the Walmarts or brothers that you're at your work and your plumbing jobs, Brother Elias. Or, or maybe you got a computer job somewhere or you're an accountant somewhere. Christ has to come in plain view. Your children need to see Christ. 
Brothers, it's not just good enough to be a provider and bring the bacon home. It's not just enough, sisters, to care for every part of your family for the needs of their bodies. You've got to show your children a literal life of Jesus Christ. When you're washing the dishes, father helping mother or or mothers doing something, the children have to look and say, if there ever was Christ upon the earth... He's standing in those two people. If there was ever Christ upon the earth, look at my grandfather and my grandmother. If there was ever Christ upon the earth, look at my pastor. If there was ever Christ upon the earth, it's Christ in me because I recognize in the mirror of his word as I'm reflecting him. I can hardly bear to read this part of the paragraph again. But the prophet says it in very clear. And moving forward, he says, the Bible said so. After Peter had both been saved and sanctified, given power to cast out unclean spirits and to preach the gospel, Jesus plainly told him he was not converted until he received the Holy Ghost. Many will come say, Lord, Lord, haven't I done this in your name? Haven't I cast out devils? Haven't I preached the message? And he'll say, I, have, I do not even know you. Listen, just because a man stands in the pulpit and says good words doesn't mean that he's got the Holy Ghost and has the right to preach. His life, my life, has to reveal this word. My life has to be the life of Jesus Christ. My life has to extend love to all men. Not just those that play according to my rules and my thoughts and my feelings or come to the church. And I may like them. That's not how it goes. But it's an unconditional love that's given by Almighty God called agape love. It needs to come out. It needs to come out. And you need to see it. It needs to be a thought expressed. God's life expressed to his people. And that love of God and that ministry of the Holy Ghost through our, us, the ministry, your pastor, will trickle down to the people. And the people will not take on the ministry spirit, but they will take on the mind of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they are given the word and an example. And the two come together and they begin to live overcoming lives. Said after you are converted, then strengthen your brethren. That was on the night of the betrayal that he was not yet converted. And no man is truly converted until he has been changed and died to himself. And the Holy Spirit has control of that person. Our former quote said to do the will of God. 
The Holy Spirit has got full control of you. Your flesh and your spirit are subject to God. <laughs> when you travel in this life, my friends, and something bitterly comes against you, your first thought is not revenge. Your first thought is, Lord Jesus, they don't know what they're doing. Lord Jesus, how can I help that individual? Lord Jesus, sister would say, Lord Jesus, can I bring them something, a pie, a meal, something that would encourage them because this is not like them. This is not who they should be. Help me to be an encouragement. That's what it means for the Holy Spirit, friends. Faith and works coming together. Brother Brown will continue in paragraph 76. He will begin like this. Now the Holy Spirit will not misbehave itself in one person and behave itself in another. <coughs> Think of that for a moment. We're talking about Christ's life. We're talking about Zoe life. Let's cut it down. Get the fancy words out of the picture. It's Christ in you. And Christ is not going to act different in Brother Mike than it will act in me. It's the same Jesus Christ. So you won't misbehave yourself in one person and behave yourself in another. It'll make each person come into its character, see? Because it's a spirit that leads you. It brings makes you subject to its nature. You don't bring it subject to your nature. It makes you subject to its nature. In likeness to, to Elijah's garment. You can't take the garment, which is the type of the Holy Spirit, and alter it to what you like and what your theology is and your feeling is, friends. You have to wear the garment as it is. I'm going to say it like this. In the natural, if I was putting to put on Brother John's coat, it wouldn't fit so well. You know, even if he was as tall as I was, it, it, it wouldn't fit so well, Brother John. Why? Because I, I've got a, a few extra uh, restrictions. <laughs> You know, uh, my wife can say amen real loud. Under all this fluffiness is muscle. But I want you to notice, if I would want to put Brother John's coat on, if he was as tall as I was tonight, I would tell you what I'd need to do. I would have to cut off some of the old flesh. I would have to stop eating all the sugar, and I should stop and, and not have spiritual diabetes. Right? You know, spiritual diabetes. You know when you got a little bit of diabetes, you know, you, your head feels like it doesn't belong sometimes. You, you feel like you're kind of out there someplace. You kind of live in some place where it's not reality at some times. I, I want to tell you, when the word gets in your life and cuts out all that nonsense of that enemy called spiritual diabetes, you begin to see straight again. You, be, you begin to know and you begin to understand and revelation comes back to your heart. 
So what I'm encouraging you today, today, I'm not de-Christianizing. I know I'm reading these quotes that struck me hard in the heart, but I'm trying to shake your individual so that you realize that it's time to lose some of the weighty matter. Lord Jesus, help me. I'm speaking to myself. I'm, that wasn't good English at all. I'm speaking to myself. And you can come along with me if you like. But I want to tell you to like this. When the Lord Jesus comes, I want to be going. Yes, 100%. Now, I'm going to be looking for all you as well because I'm serving and loving you and trying to be the best servant I can be for the honor and glory of God. But the most important thing is that I make it. Now you sitting on those comfortable chairs that we bought for you some time ago, you need to in your heart also say, it doesn't matter if my wife goes, my husband goes, my children go. First thing is I am an individual unto God and I need to go. You know, a lot of times when husband and wives are... Our husband needs to lose a little weight. You know, the wife will say, I'll help you diet a little bit, you know, and I'll encourage you and I'll move forward when really the husband is the fat guy. <laughs> In this walk with Jesus Christ, it's not your wife encouraging you to go and read the message and pray and meditate and come unto God and lose the extra weight of this world. No, you have to do it yourself. There's got to be a, a heavenly determination, a zeal, a desire. That only thing that matters is that I make it Lord. And how does that come by his nature? nature? Because we're subject to his nature. The Holy Spirit, it makes us to live. And we love to live. For the Lord Jesus Christ. He makes us live. But we love to do it. The prophet would say. It cleanses you. And washes you. And puts a desire in you to follow him. And a thirst. And a hunger for more. Not less. Listen, right, Brother Mark, it's more of God. It's more into his word. You want more of him. Just bathing yourself. Oh, you know, there's something about after a hard, long day working, you know, and you're all dusty and filthy, and there's something about it that I really can't explain that it makes you quite happy to get into the bath. It's not natural to be so filthy. It's not natural to have, you know, a body odor. Well, you all look at me. You all put on something called deodorant and perfume when you go out. Because it's not mentally natural to like to smell like the, the things that so come off. And then you get into the bath. You turn on that warm water. Now, how many likes to have a lukewarm bath? You know, the children or the wife, you know, they've been in there before you. You know, we used to live on the acreage where we, we used to have preserved water, you know. We, 
we, we, we had to pay for the water coming in and the water going out. And we had to preserve the water. So I kind of felt like Brother Branham or some of those of you that had to have a bathtub. And we started out with the very most important people. And the last people that weren't so important, they got to take the bath last. Anybody been there? Well, I somehow always drew this, this, the lukewarm card, you know. I always got the bath, the card at the last, you know. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But saints, we're not interested. We want to get into that bath where the water is hot. And an individual wash with Jesus Christ, cleansing us from all sin, bringing us to realities, bringing us to our senses. Now, I lost all of you for just a moment, but I'm going to bring you back. Come on back from the bathwater. You're all thinking about what happened at communion with all that toe fuzz rising in the water. You're all thinking about it just now, Brother John. Well, let's bring you back. You know, the brothers that preached here this weekend, they would have never done this, Brother John, said the words like that. But you and I, we've got some sort of Interesting preaching skills, don't we? <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. But you're all with me tonight. You're all with me. We want God to come and give us spiritual revelation. To know what the season is. To know what time it is. As it was in the day of Noah. So shall it be at the coming of... We, we want, friends, we not to know what time it is. And it's Christ unveiling himself to you, you in this season of even Laodicea that's causing to know where you stand. We are living in Laodicea. We're living at a time. Well, how many agrees that you feel like Laodicea on the door? I, I mean, we, we didn't miss a meal, did we today? Purposely, anyhow. We all ate, and, and we all have a roof above our head, and it's in moderating degrees. It doesn't matter. It's still a roof over our heads. I, I think some of us went to work, and there's, there's, there's a little bit of something in the bank account, and if there's not, there's a line of credit. I, I, there's something there. And so you have this increased thought, I, I really don't need anything. We're getting better with our response with if I get sick, I need healing, let's go to God. We are getting better with that response. But in some things we still feel, well, we just don't need so much. We're rich and full of goods and we don't need too much. But yet we are, we are the children of God trying to shake ourselves from that lukewarm water and get into some stimulating gospel heat of the word. We're told often and often again about how we cook a frog. No, it's, you know, our animal activists are not very happy us telling this story. But, you know, if you take a frog and you decide to cook it and throw it in boiling water, Sister Cynthia, that frog immediately jumps out of the pan. But, you know, the devil has gotten smart and... The devil knows, and even though we understand it and have wisdom on these things, it seems like we walk around with the fog in our mind and we really don't seem to believe that the devil has cooled the water enough where it's like nice swimming water. 
Now you take the frog and you put in that lukewarm water, that latency in water. What happens? He kicks back and relax. And he says, where's the lily pads? We just want to relax. <laughs> Don't we want that in church? We just want to relax. Don't challenge me in church. Right, right. Just, just preach to me. Give me a re some real good stuff from the church age book and let me just float around here and we'll think about it for a while. You know, uh, I, I, I know, I just want to hear about the millennium and where we're going. And at the end of the service, Brother John, I want Brother Solomon and, and Br Brother Tim and the brothers at song. I want them to sing songs that are, that are just snappy enough. We don't want to be too overdone, but just snappy enough that gets me to <laughs> rejoice a little. Maybe Brother John at the end of the service will say just enough words that will squeeze my heart that the tears will come out. I'll grab a Kleenex from the front of my bench that Brother, Brother Lamb puts there and Sister Esther keeps up. And, and I'll grab a tissue and I'll wipe the tears from my eyes. And when we get home in the car, I'll say, honey, I shed a tear. The word was just anointed. Brother John said nice words. We surely have met God. And nothing has challenged your heart. Do you know we come to church as imperfect people? If you take a look around, including me, standing right at this pulpit, I'm not perfect. We are not perfect. And we come into this place as imperfect people to be washed and be cleansed and be shown the way of life. However it might come, it might come by some real good teaching from the church age book or the seals or, or some of the deeper doctrines. That's good. It might come from it, but we've come in the house of God to be challenged, to be strengthened, to be renewed. So when we walk from the building, we are a new creation. Better than we was when we came in. Isn't that what the prophet God said? You either leave better or you leave worse. Now, that's a fearful statement because some of us, if we come just for recreation, you're leaving worse. We hear it over and over again, but I want to tell you and reaffirm, Brother John, the devil likes to come to church. And the devil loves to stand right at the altar when the people are being prayed for and be delivered. Because if he can't jump back on the people, he's looking for another person who's irreverent with their eyes open looking around. You know, we need to be very careful. Is this okay? We need to be very careful at the time of prayer for the saints. The prophet God taught us very clearly. We need to be prayerful. Musicians need to be prayerful. The saints of God need to be prayerful. They need to have their eyes closed. We can't have a bunch of noise. It, it seems to be our tradition of church that we sing very loudly. And we make lots of noise while prayer is going forth. And even so much so, the ministry cannot even hear what we're praying. And so, right at that moment, the Holy Spirit's taking over the ministry to pray words that will discern your hearts. 
We're not just saying words. We're not abracadabra, move along, it's so good. No, we're asking the Holy Spirit to come and speak words of deliverance to you. We've opened our vessels to Jesus Christ to speak to you and to pray words that will bring you deliverance. And you need to have clarity of thought. You can't have so much noise. You can't have so much piping. You can't have so much. This is not against the musicians. I'm talking about the whole group. People moving around. Babies in and out. And things happening. No. It needs to be still. It needs to be quiet. Because somebody needs deliverance. Can you imagine if it was your daughter, your son, your wife, your husband that had a demon of sickness or a demon of depression or some sort of something going in their lives and you personally knew about it and your heart's cries, Lord, deliver them, Lord. You would want your pastor, you would want the minister to have spiritual revelation to speak words of life that would bring deliverance for the moment, the hour. So we need to be sensitive. Brother Brandon would sing songs like the great physician or different songs that we maybe don't sing those songs, but songs of reverence that would quiet our hearts so that souls could be delivered. We just don't want a bunch of chaos in the house of God. We want souls to be challenged and to be delivered. This lady you see a world that we're living in is full of knowledge. It's full of pressures. I don't know, but I, I feel a lot of pressure. And I'm so thankful that I got some place to let the pressure off. And it's not just in the building, but it's in Christ. Brother Branham was saying 62, letting off the pressure. He said, there is a pressure on the people today. And that pressure has no limits or any denominational lines. It has no age line. It has no respect of person. It's on young and old, good and bad. It's on everybody pressure. I, I would wonder if somewhere in your life that you could cut something out, X the boxes off, so to say, to relieve the pressure from your life so that you could focus on Jesus Christ. I, I would really like all of us to really think in our hearts in the next little while. Think about your day. Think about what you're adding to your life. Think about the, the things that are bringing pressure and knock them things out of your life. We are living in a neurotic age. Nervous tension. Everybody is racing here and going there. And going nowhere. Continuation of that quote. Brother Brandon will say they hurry, hurry here and hurry, hurry there. They drive, uh, you know, 100 miles an hour or 90 miles an hour down the road to get home to wait two hours for their dinner to be made. Hurry, 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 hurry. And no place to go, but they hurry. It's an age full of pressure. It's an age... Where there is full or gross darkness in the land. Brother Brandon would say, we're living in the last days. I'm closing now. We'll continue on Sunday evening. Brother John will preach Sunday morning. Praise the Lord. Are you looking forward to that? How many is going to take a few moments of extra prayer for the morning service? We've heard from two wonderful brothers 
that came and ministered to us, but they're not our shepherd. We need some sheep food and an inoculation. We need some health. And that comes from the shepherd that God, the great shepherd, is leading. So we're going to pray. I'm expecting for Sunday morning. Maybe the Lord will have us come in behind and continue further in this message. But as I'm reading this quote, we're living in the last days. At the closing age. The Laodicean age, one of the darkest ages that ever been since the dark ages. A more hypocritical, can you see that? A more hypocritical age right now than there, there was then. <laughs> they had no light at all. Twilight is a deceiving hour. This is exactly where we're living. It's twilight. We're living in a time of Laodicea where it is. Now keep those words in your mind. Hypocritical and a twilight time. And in this all, we're in an information age. We have information at our fingertips. We're learnt. It also is an artificial age. It is an age of counterfeit. But I want to pause there. If there is a counterfeit, there is original. It's an age of just works. Works working up something. Works do something. And in Revelation 3.15 it says, I know thy works. That, that thou art neither cold nor hot. Thou art lukewarm. And neither cold nor hot. Thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched. You know, this is sometimes in a message church. Everything's going so smoothly. The church is full. Everything's just going tickety-boo. Everything, all the music is perfect. The preaching is just Perfect. Things are going on, but the people are still living immoral lives or worldly lives or sinful lives. And I have heard this over and over again. We're just going to let the Holy Spirit deal with the situation. And I believe that. But out of the foolishness of preaching, the Holy Ghost begins to preach. And it calls unto the people, whether you like it or not, stay in line. I'm going to read you from the message what it means to stay in line. How you ought to dress and how you ought to act, both men and women. How you should live unto the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the Holy Ghost speaking to you. When you try to muzzle the ox, friends, and say it's just the Holy Spirit speaking to me individually. It's Laodicea coming to your doorstep and warming your heart. Because you know just the same as, as I do. When the prophet of God will I study and read. If I don't, I'm not a sensitive spirit. I'll read what he says and how to live. And I'll pass over it because I don't like it. And I'll just leave it there. And I, but the friends I want to tell you. That's a wretched and poor condition. That those kind of people or a church would be in. To not allow the Holy Spirit to speak through the ministry and tell you how to live and how you should act. Not by their own ideas. Listen, listen. we don't have to wear the same tie. And if you've got a cartoon tie, that's up to you. 
This is not the word. The word is we ought to live moral, clean, and healthy lives. And the prophet of God lays it out. But we're skipping those quotes. We're saying, well, they're, they're earlier years. Brother had, Branham had more revelation. And Brother Branham tells us as he's walking and watching, we heard it this, uh, last, this, last weekend, we heard as he sees coming out of J.C. Penney's, he sees these spirits coming up there. Oh, oh, oh. And what do they have on? It's women. They have on these, these outfits that are immoral, and their faces are painted. Oh, Brother Steve, well, I, I, I'll just put on a little bit of cover-up. I've got some pimples. I've got some mars. I'll just cover them up. I'm a young person. I want to get married. Friends, I want to tell you, the prophet of God says here in this quotation, let me read it here. Do you want to hear it? He says here, you're going to have to move forward just, just a little bit here. He's in the message, the Easter seal. He says, I was questioned the other day, are you going to preach if you come to this place on women wearing makeup. Well, I think a few more pastors should preach that. You know why I say that? Because this is the truth. I'm telling you the truth now. The people of God are in the church and they're dancing and swaying and the tears are falling and the makeup is running. And then they go back to their lodging places before they have a snack and they're fixing their makeup. In the message. If the young girls are doing it, what is mama doing? And shame on any father that doesn't pay attention enough to their children to recognize that it's not by the word of God that we have painted faces Jezebels and painted toenails and French toenails and jewels on our toenails. These are only some little things that I can back up by the quotes. It's the truth. Thank you, Brother Ken. Let me continue. They were wearing shorts. Shouldn't wear these things. I said, don't ask me to come then. So they're asking this question. Are you going to preach this? And they don't want them to preach this. And he says, well, don't ask me to come there. No, sir. Don't ask me to come. Are you going to preach it? Then even said, what's the business is of yours? I live in 2023, 2022, 2021. I've been asked this very same question. What business is it of yours to preach on these things? We're past those things, Brother Steve. And I see the children of God working themselves, walking all the way to that tune of rock and well, all the way into hell. And we're supposed to be quiet about it, Brother Lies. No, sir. If we don't preach this word, the prophet of God says we're chicken feeders. We're not worth the salt. Brother Branham said, I'd rather drink, eat soda crackers than drink branch water than not to preach you the truth. I'd rather pack up and go all the way back to Alberta and to Edmonton and not preach again, Brother John, unless I can preach the gospel in truth. What business of yours? I said, it's the Lord's business. And I'm about his business. That's exactly right. So I just, I said, just, what do you, what do, you do that for? 
ain't them things, uh, them other things to say? I said, yeah, but let them do that. And then they'll talk on, uh, then they'll talk on other things. You see, let it get the foundation laid. We need spiritual revelation. I need more revelation. My family needs more revelation. This is not a, this is my family. The Kalar family. My son, my daughters. They need to hear this word. This is not just to people out there and my children can live however they want to live. No, the foundation must be laid. Stay in line with the word. Let the word strengthen you. Let it be revealed in you. If we consecrate ourselves to this word, we're going to make a rapture. There's no doubt about it. His brother John just said, Lord, give us the zeal. Take away the old thirst and give us the zeal. Nothing but you, Lord. Heavenly Father. Strong word I know, Lord. And we're preaching so many times we're overcomers. We're the bride, and yes, we are. Preview of the bride, Brother Brad, I'm seeing and looking at a real good church, a real church that was marching in the glory of God. But there at the end time, at the, just the closing hours, there were some that was just out of line. Lord, it's because the preachers are not preaching it, and People are disappointing and they're just going to push play and just wanting to live however. Or, Oh God, may it not be. May we listen to the voice that you're crying out through many waters, the ministry of this last time, that the people might be ready for your rapture. Oh, that we as ministry would have the Holy Ghost in our lives to be ready for the rapture. Help us, Lord, I pray. In Jesus Christ's name, we commit this service. We commit every word. I pray it was of you, Lord. And, oh, God, any word that wasn't of you, I pray that you would cast it down, even erase it from the people's minds. But if it was your word, Lord, may they stand in strength on it and may it give them courage, Lord, to live one day stronger, we pray. Yes, Lord, we want more of you. Yes, Jesus. I've had it all, but what I need is more of you. Let's stand to our feet and just raise our hands and worship for a moment.